Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Amen. Let me invite you to be seated this morning, church, and to be turning in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, as we continue, this is week 5 of our kingdom series here at Coastal Oaks Church, and uh, as we just uh, continue to explore some of the teachings of Jesus, which give us a glimpse into how things work in his kingdom, and we've already been on quite a journey throughout the month of July, uh, starting way back on the first Sunday where we established a clear order and rule in Jesus' kingdom. Uh, we looked at the key principles of humility as seen in children, uh, how it pertains to us as kingdom people. Um, we have seen how forgiveness through the lens of atonement and the work of Christ is to be the mindset of kingdom people. Uh, and then last week we established the apron, the apron excuse me, as the uniform of those who are doing kingdom work. We talked about the server mentality. And so just to, as we get started this morning, I want to remind you that, that we study, we, we walk through this series together, not for knowledge accumulation. There, there's good things to know about God's kingdom, and, and we're, we're being able to examine those, but the primary purpose is for daily, relevant, personal application. It's not so we can know about God's kingdom, it's so that we can learn to be God's kingdom and be better uh, at being an active and healthy extension of Christ's heavenly kingdom right here in the world in which we live. So that's where we're headed. You okay with that? All right, good. That's because that's where we've been this whole time, and that's where we're going to stay until this series uh, is done. You know, when I was in college, I worked at Walmart for a bit uh, in the garden center for a couple of years. It was a good job for a college student, and um, because I was young and probably didn't know any better, uh, they put me in the garden center out throwing what I call a bag slinger. Uh, that if you go into the garden center at most Walmarts, even these days, they have a section where you can pull in and you can buy bag goods, uh, topsoil, potting soil, all that kind of stuff. That was my department. I worked out there. Um, and, and I worked there for a while. And, and I noticed there was a gentleman uh, right after I started working there uh, who would come in about every three weeks or so, and he had this big, long trailer attached to the back of his truck. And he wouldn't come in and buy... 12 bags of topsoil, he would come in and buy 12 pallets of topsoil. Uh, and, and then he would buy three pallets of manure, and he'd buy uh, three pallets of humus. And you know, he did this over and over. It's like he had just a standing reservation almost for the third Saturday or something like that. He would show up with his trailer, and here we go with the forklift loading him up. And finally, after about his third or fourth trip, I just asked him, I said, Where? I said sir, what are you doing with all of this? And him being an East Texan like he was, cowboy hat, straw in the corner of his mouth. I'm kidding you not. I mean, just, you know, tobacco stains running down his lips. I mean, this was, this was who this guy was. He, he, he just kind of took a step back like, you don't know already. He said, son, in my business, soil matters. And I said, okay. I didn't know what his business was. And so um, I, I, I asked him, I said, sir, what is your business? And he said, well, I'm a tree farmer. I own this property out east of town. And he says, I, I, I grow trees from seedling all the way up to, uh, to big trees and any kind of trees. But I specialize in fruit trees. And in my business, soil matters. 
I think this illustration for us paints a picture uh, of what we're going to look at in Scripture uh, this morning pertaining to soil that matters and really the soil that exists in each of our hearts. And so I want to invite you to look with me this morning at Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the forms of parables, such as this one. Verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow shallow soil. That's a hard thing to say right there. Shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then verse 9, Jesus says, Then he said to them, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I want you to skip down with me. There's a bit of a discourse where the the disciples later go back and ask Jesus to explain himself. And so he does. And so I want to skip to that, uh, starting in verse 13. Same book, same chapter, verse 13. Then he said to them, he's giving his explanation. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. That seed fell, uh, excuse me, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as problems or or as soon as they are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 18 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. In verse 20, where we're going to rest today, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. As we look at what it means to live a fruitful life, I think this passage paints a really good picture for us today. This, this particular parable here in Mark chapter 4 is actually covered in three of the four Gospels. You can see it in Matthew 13. You can see it in Mark 4 like we looked at this morning. You could also see it in Luke chapter 8. Uh, three times, that's a significant number. It reveals to us the importance. And Jesus even says himself as you're reading through it, listen, hear, lean in. Strain for understanding even so, if that is necessary. And the overarching central theme throughout the whole book of Mark is the coming or the arrival of the kingdom in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, prior to the birth of Jesus, the the people were looking forward to the kingdom. And then the birth of Jesus happens and Mark says, this is the kingdom. He's the king and so you follow him If you want to be in the kingdom. And and honestly, guys, my job today is pretty easy. You know why? Because this is one of the few rare examples where Jesus taught 
And then he gave an, an, an explanation of what was supposed to be understood. So if I mess something up this morning, it's just because I read it wrong. Uh, here's the thing. We, we can all, uh, there, there's, there, there's the teaching and the explanation. That's all we're going to do tomorrow, today. We're going to look at the teaching. We're going to look at the explanation. See what God has to say, all right? Uh, and so as I see this, I see four responses to the coming of Jesus' kingdom as depicted in this parable. It's the types of soil. So let's look at these this morning. First, the seed that is sown in the hardened soil. We see that in Mark chapter 4, verse 4, where Mark records Jesus saying that the farmer scatters some seed across, the, across his field and some of it fell on the footpath. One of the greatest tendencies or one of the greatest mysteries, excuse me, in my opinion, is the tendency for some to respond to the good news of the gospel like the seed that falls on the path. Uh, I call this the hardened soil. Think about this. In their day and age, we, we have sidewalks that we call paths. But in their day, a path was a dirt path. But the path was not a good place to plant because the foot traffic and the animals. And uh, it, it had come and it had compacted the soil to the point where there was no air in it. It was, it was hard. And so the, the seed that fell on this type of soil essentially was not received by the soil. It, it just stayed there on top and, well, it became what Scripture says is bird food. The birds came and they ate it. In fact, we get on over to the explanation part of this passage, uh, which is verse 15. And, and, and Christ very clearly says that the seed that falls on the footpath represents those who hear the message, but their hearts are hardened. And so... Satan comes and he takes the word away like the birds do. Uh, it's just a great mystery to me. And, and I've seen this over and over. Perhaps you've seen it. How some would hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it would just not be received. But scripture says that that's one of the potential responses would be like the seed that just falls on the path. It can't Get, it can't grow because it's on top. It, the, the path is hard. It's impenetrable. And even if it did fall into a crack and maybe sprout a small plant, the foot traffic would come along and would crush the plant and it would die. I, I don't have a real good green thumb in this life. My, my experience in planting and gardening, I, I probably am responsible for killing more plants than anything else. That's just the way it's gone in my... I've killed cactuses before, y'all. I don't know how you do that. Cacti, thank you. There you go. Uh, listen, here, here's the thing. I, I don't understand a whole lot about it, but uh, one of the first rules of farming is that the, for the seed to sprout, it's got to go where? It's got to go in the soil. It, it can't be on top of the soil. It's got to go in. And, and so it just it is baffling to me. That's when someone would hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they might respond like this hardened soil, like this path. Verse 15 specifically mentions that Satan comes along like the birds and he just picks it off because it doesn't get down inside of the person. I, I want to say to you today a couple of things. I think this verse reminds us, specifically verse 15, about the activity and maybe even the presence of spiritual forces in our midst. Um, sometimes when you talk about spirit things, uh, th there's a, an opportunity for fear to creep up. 
when you think about Satan's activity in this world and things like that. I want to say to you real clear, I believe Satan does have a role to play in our world, but I want to say to you this, Scripture teaches that he is a defeated enemy. And so that any activity that he may do, any things that he may cause a person to do, it it really only comes from a really small bag of tricks that all are based around trickery, deception, and misdirection. That's it. That's all he can do. He can trick us into giving up things. He can trick us into doubting God's provision. But he can't really touch us. He, He can't really do anything. And so... The soil that's hardened, that doesn't receive the word of God, he just comes along and takes it away, sweeps it even. What does this say to us today? This may be the saddest thing you've heard in a while, but I want to say this to us clearly. I believe this paints a picture that some will never receive the good news. Some will just not ever receive it. They will say, it's not for me. There are good things happening in my kingdom. It's not for me. And for the hardened heart, brokenness is the only way for the seed to get down in the soil. You know, the path, I guess if there were enough space, you could use that soil. But you know how you'd have to use that soil? You'd have to take a tool, a hoe, or something with hard metal tines, and you would have to drive it down in that soil and break it up. That's what happens in the hardened heart. The path must be broken by brute force to become usable. It's the same with the hardened heart. Scripture even supports this by saying in other places, like 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. Some will always look at the message of Christ and the cross and maybe even your attempts to introduce them to him. And they'll say, that's just foolishness. Only weak people would believe in Jesus. The realization of this truth, I don't know what it does for you this morning, but I would hope that it would cause you to pray more often, to pray with fervor, desperation, and tears. When you see that in a man, it ought to drive us to our knees and cry out on behalf of them and say, God, would you work in their life? Would you do what apparently only you can do? We should pray more often. So we've got the seed that's sown on the hardened soil. We, we see, secondly, the seed that's sown in the rocky soil. I call this the flash. Uh, as we read in Scripture this morning, it sprouts. It shows signs of life, but it doesn't get very big, and it quickly dies off. The rocky soil is able to yield a limited growth, but the plant dies because it has no root system to support it when the conditions become harsh and unfavorable. So the response of this soil to the sowing of the seed is a quick, maybe even a joyful response, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. I want to say to us clearly this morning, church, that there comes a time, excuse me, in the life of every living thing where the health of those things that are not seen play a vital role in the ability of the living thing to withstand changing conditions and ultimately to bear fruit. 
In the, in the life of every living thing, there comes a point where the health of the things that you can't see will affect the things that you can. And, and in a plant, it's the root system. You, you can't see it. It's under the ground. But it definitely affects if the roots of a plant are not healthy, if they're not dug down deep, if they're not able to pull in that which the plant needs for growth and fruit bearing, what will happen to the plant? It'll die, right? It'll, 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 it'll at least wilt. It won't stay around. We get over to the application part uh, of Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 tell us that the problems and, and persecutions of this life, they act like the rock-filled soil. They create barriers for one to grow deep faith roots. In other words, the person who has this rocky soil in their heart, they would, they would say things like this, I'm in it for as long as it's easy and it doesn't cost anything. Or they might say, I'm in it as long as you preach grace, but I'm out when you preach about sin and hell and sacrificial living. Or I'm out when you ask me to be accountable for my words or for my actions. Those would be barriers to that person who has rocky soil in their heart. I read a stat this week, you know that, um, and I don't know the, the, the truth of this, but I've seen some of it in action. Um, th- do you know that there's, the, there's a belief out there that most gyms and fitness centers, they make more than 50% of their income in the month of January each year? You know why? New Year's resolutions, right? We, we make these resolutions to go back to the gym and to get healthy and to get fit and to, to lose this and to, to be better at this. And I see this at my gym every, every, every January. It works like this. I walk in and there's no place to do anything. There's all these new people. So I make the rounds. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Guess where those people are on February 1st? They're at home enjoying a double cheeseburger because it got hard. Somewhere in the month of January, they realized, wow, this is going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. I'm going to have to give up some of the things that I love if I really want this. And what comes out are the things that are truly valuable. Your resolutions reveal that. So it bears considering for us today, do you feel you've fallen away because you realized it was difficult to follow Christ? Listen, church, two things, two things will lead a man to to follow Christ, or excuse me, to fall away once they realize the difficulty uh, of being a disciple of Christ. Only two things, either misinformation or self-deception. Either someone told you it was supposed to be easy, or you believed it, and you found out that wasn't the case. Only those two things. We can look even to other parts of Scripture. John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples, and he says in verse 32, But a time is coming, indeed it is here now, when you will be scattered, each one of you his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Verse 33 says this, I have told you this, so that you may have peace in me, because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. I have overcome the world. But we can see it in other places. Romans 12 and verse 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope, but be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Why would Paul, the writer of Romans, say be patient in trouble if he didn't intend for you to realize there will be trouble? 
James 1, perhaps a more familiar passage to you. He writes, James does and says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Perhaps you've heard it said like this. Consider it a pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because it develops the perseverance of your faith. James says it. You will face trials when trials come your way. And so just a couple of points of application for us today, church. The problems, the persecutions of this life, they're opportunities for our faith to grow. We've got to think about them differently. If we are uh, to get past this, We've got to think about them differently. There's an opportunity for Christ to grow our faith in him through the problems and persecutions in this life. In fact, to say it differently, maybe more clearly this morning, possessing a vibrant faith in Christ requires continual adjustment to the trials and obstacles that you will face. You will face. Last thing, and we're going to move on. Unless the gospel takes root in the heart of a man, and becomes both his guide and measure, faith in Christ cannot grow. Unless the gospel gets deep roots down in the heart of a man or a woman, and becomes both his guide and his measure, then what has been revealed is rocky soil. So we've seen the hardened soil. We've seen the rocky soil. Now what about the thorny soil? Let's look at that, the seed that is sown in the thorny soil. Mark 4 verse 7 tells us that other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked it out, the tender plant, so that they produced no grain. I call this the fake. The seed, it it gets in the ground. It sprouts. It starts to show signs of life. It grows tall. It appears to be healthy but it never bears fruit. In this case, the thorns have choked it out. In the case of the thorny soil, the plant grows up in the midst of other things identified as thorns. I liken them to, you guys know what stickers are, right, around here. That's what I get, that's the picture of my, that I get in my mind. The stickers, they grow up around the good plant, but the stickers, they rob the plant of the nutrients that it needs to actually produce fruit. Uh, Don't you love the stickers around here? I mean, does anybody just get excited about your yard being full of stickers? I I, I mean, think about it. When's the last time you were walking, say, through your house, middle of the night, headed to get a snack, going to do whatever you do in the middle of the night in your house, and you catch a sticker that's embedded itself in the carpet of your house? I I mean, it just, it, it cripples you, right? You hit it in the bottom of your foot, and it's, uh, you do this weird dance, circular thing, trying to pull it out. You're good for nothing. But you know what? It doesn't take long in any yard in this area, and stickers can take over, can't they? They choke out the pretty grass or the good plants because they rob the nutrients. No one wants to grow thorns or stickers, but they will grow. When we get to the application part of Jesus' teaching, he says in verses 18 and 19 that the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. 
I think it says pretty plainly to us this morning that this person, excuse me, this soil represents a person who hears clearly the, go- the good news of the gospel, but they fall away. And then it mentions three things. I, I just want to address these three things real quick. The worries of life. Have you, have you found out, I found it to be true, but just, maybe it's just for me. Have, have you found out that it's true that you don't have to do much to find yourself neck deep in worry these days? I mean, you, you really don't have to try very hard. You could turn on like the six o'clock news and you hear murder, corruption, despair, brokenness. And then if you stay up and watch the 10 o'clock news, it's repeat, right? It's the same thing. I quit watching the news about a decade ago. I don't feel like I've missed anything. It's, it's the, this, this thorny soil, the, wor- the worries of life, they act like it. They can choke out the joy. They can choke out the, the, the fruit of the spirit that's supposed to be born in the life of a person. It doesn't take much for the worries of this life to do that. Mark also records that Jesus mentions the lure of wealth. So I want to just talk for a minute about that lure. Um, if you fish, you know that a lure is basically a, a small trap, right? It's something that you use to entice a fish to bite it, even though it is not good for them, because your end goal is to what? Put them in a frying pan, right? It's a lure. It's a trap. And so, so Mark says that the uh, excuse me. Mark records Jesus saying that the lure of wealth it it it, it could choke out like thorns. I, I want to say clearly to us this morning that possessing wealth. It's not a sin, but what happens when a man becomes wealthy is that his ability to rely upon himself is increased. It increases a man's desire to live with no boundaries or under no authority. He can look at his pocketbook and it's thick and he says, I don't have to listen to you. It creates a problem. The lure of wealth can do that talks also about the desire for other things. You know, I'm reminded of where we started this whole kingdom series, talking about what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. This desire for other things, this, this duality sometimes that exists in our hearts where we say, I'm going to do this, but I love this. I love Jesus, but my life says otherwise, says other things. And so Matthew's encouragement to us was to seek first the kingdom of God. I would say to us that many, many, perhaps even some in this room today, live our lives like the thorny soil. We allow something of God to grow up in us. And it may be pretty, but it doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't get to the point where it spreads to others. It's just something that gets choked out by the other things in this life. I want to say to us clearly this morning, church, the chief desire of the one that sows the seed of the gospel, that's Jesus himself, his chief desire is that the seed that he sows yield a harvest. Whether it's in your heart or in another. And if it's in your heart, then it should be to another. You understand what I'm saying this morning, church? That's the idea. 
If you have received the gospel and you believe in the hope of Christ, then the goal of the one who sowed that seed in you is that it grow up and that it flourish and that it be nourished and that it produce a harvest that's evident in the lives of others. We can see this uh, in Matthew chapter 25. Perhaps you're familiar with the parable of the talents. This man is leaving town and he leaves some of his money with some of the people who work for him. Three men are selected. And one man gets five bags of money. One one man gets three bags of money. One man gets one bag of money. And then the master leaves town. And he comes back sometime later. And the man who received five bags has earned him five more. Those are the kind of people you weren't working for you, right? The, The man who was given three bags also has earned three more. But then there's this one guy who was uh, apparently afraid of the master. He didn't want to lose anything, and so he took the money and he buried it, and he brought it back and he placed it before the, the master and said, look, I didn't lose anything. And the master said, get away from me, you wicked servant. You didn't bring me anything either. There was no, uh, there, there was no duplication. There was no multiplication there. He just hoarded it. So I want to say to us this morning, church, that God's desire for you is to bear fruit. We're going to talk about that more in just a second. So we've got three types of soil. Here's a fourth. What about the seed that's sown in the fertile soil? Of the four types of soil that we've talked about this morning, the fertile soil is the only one that's able to actually bring, bring forth a crop. And so I would say to us today, church, that this paints a picture for us as the ideal response for how we should receive the gospel, the good news of the coming of Jesus' kingdom. And not just for one harvest either. Here's the thing. Sometimes, I've seen this, people sometimes come and they're around for a season. And then some things change in life and all of a sudden, Christ isn't as important or or not as valuable. I would say that that the desire of Christ today is that we're not just here for one harvest, but season after season after season. Planting after planting, reaping after reaping, harvest after harvest. In fact, I I would say to you this, this morning, you can circle this in your notes. Put big stars or asterisks, that's a hard word to say too, asterisks out beside it. Because this is the goal. This is what we should be aiming for, to have a heart that is both receptive and able to grow the seed that God plants in it. I, I did some study this week about the characteristics of, of, of what farmers consider for, fertile soil. You know, they only look for two things based on the, the research I did this week, two things. This, this, this phrase called the ease of tillage. I learned this. I'm not real familiar with the process, but one of the things, one of the key characteristics to fertile soil is the, its ability to be tilled. In other words, it's got the right mixture of soil and air. It, it, it has enough stability in it that the plant can grow and grow up tall and not fall over. But it also has enough air in it that when the roots grow and spread, it can move. There's good application there for us today. 
It also talks about seedbed fitness, the proper mixture of good basic nutrients of sufficient minerals, organic matter, moisture. Those are the two things that good soil looks like. Well, I want just as we kind of get to the place where we're going to wrap up this morning, talking about what it means to bear fruit for the kingdom, I just want to make four points of application this morning, um, and then we're going to be done, uh, because this really does kind of teach itself. Number one, kingdom people bear fruit. Kingdom people bear fruit. Remember, this is, this is all being taught within uh, the, the, the confines of this series, but, but this is what Mark says. It says uh, that kingdom people, they bear fruit. This parable is ultimately about the word, the message of Christ, and how it is received. And so when kingdom people understand the implications of sowing and harvesting, they, they have received the word of God. They react similarly, saying, okay, I have received the gospel. Now it's time for me to go and spread the seed of the gospel. So kingdom people bear fruit. Kingdom people also work the soil. They work the soil. Here's the thing, church. As you, if today you commit, if today you say, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to put on the apron, I'm ready to start sowing the seeds of the kingdom, I'm ready to, to join Christ in whatever work it is he is doing, <coughs> then what is going to happen is you're going to be in the path of people and you're going to see these various soils represented in them. You may run across people whose, whose hearts are hardened. You may run across people whose soil in the heart, it's, it's, it's full of thorns. Their, their faith has been choked by other things. But kingdom people, they work the soil. They work with what they have. Thirdly, this morning, kingdom people sow generously. You know, the common method for sowing seed in that day was just by hand. They would take it out of a pouch and they would just kind of spread it around. And, uh, and so the idea was to get it, the most of it in the places that you knew it would grow. But in the end, the farmer wasn't really concerned about that. Because if he spreads seed on a path and it does actually grow and take root and produce a harvest, then guess who gets to take it in? He does. That, so, so I would say to us this morning, if our desire is to be kingdom people, then we should sow, uh, sow generously. We should not uh, be just determined to sow only where uh, we determine growth will happen best, but sow abundantly, knowing that God can and does work beyond that which we see. Scripture even says, those who sow sparingly reap sparingly, but those who sow generously reap a generous harvest. I want to say to us real quick before we move on today, um, church, one thing, uh, be careful of the forget you attitude that comes around sometimes uh, as you minister with people, as you interact and rub shoulders with people, as you uh, try to uh, plant the gospel seeds in, in, in those hearts, and as they potentially reject that. There, there's a tendency sometimes in our own life, in our own heart, to say, you know what, I've been harvesting, I've been trying with that one person for X number of years. And so sometimes out of frustration, sometimes out of pride, we just, we probably don't say it, but we say, you know what, I'm moving on. So I want to caution you this morning, church. I want to caution you against that forget you attitude. 
because sometimes it's in that 21st year after you've been ministering to a person for 20 years that God does something in their life and all of a sudden they remember and they look at you as a faithful, safe witness and then all of a sudden you have an opportunity and the soil is different. So be careful, be careful. Kingdom people sow generously, but lastly, kingdom people, they sow faithfully. They sow faithfully. You know, there's actually a fifth kind of soil that we didn't talk about this morning. It's the soil that never receives any seed. Can the farmer expect to reap anything where he did not sow? The soil that does not receive any seed, not going to get anything from it. So so I would say to us, church, this morning, as we apply this to our life, so faithfully, so faithfully, so in the places that that you think that the seed could not ever grow, because remember, it's not up to us. God makes the increase. What we have highlighted today is kind of a spiritual gauge to join Christ in the spreading of the gospel. We must understand two things, what type of soil resides in our own heart, and what type of soil we will meet in the hearts of others. So maybe today you might ask yourself, am I receptive to the conviction or correction that the scriptures bring? If not, it may be that your heart is full of the hardened soil today. Do do I wander from God when life gets tough? If that's you, then maybe the rocky soil is what depicts your heart. Do I possess an outward appearance of spiritualness? Do I come to church and go to Bible studies but bear no kingdom fruit? And perhaps the thorny soil is what the best depicts your life. I would hope that we could say the fertile soil, the ideal response. That's where we are. That's where we're headed at least. Fruitful living here and now requires fertile soil. Are you ready for that? It may be that God needs to do some work in our hearts today. Let's let him do that, okay? Let's pray together.